Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now... Onto the show. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, joining me on today's show is Helen Nan. Helen has been a financial advisor since 2011. She has helped hundreds of clients achieve their lifestyle goals and aspirations. Now, she is passionate about providing clear, and straightforward guidance. She loves to help demystify the planning process and helping you make the best decisions for your life, regardless of what stage you're at in your journey. Now, Helen is a certified financial planner and she lives in Brisbane, Australia. On today's show, we're going to have a chat together learning a little bit about her journey to become a financial advisor, maybe why people don't necessarily see a financial advisor, and of course, why you should, how a financial advisor can help you. So welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you, Amarin. It's so good to speak to you today. I know that uh, your area of expertise, financial planning, um, if we look at some of the studies that have been done when people have asked, particularly women, uh, finances is one of those areas that a lot of women do honestly say it's probably an area that I can certainly learn more about. And of course, this is an area that you love to, to demystify and educate women on. Speak a little bit about what interested you, what fascinated you about the area of finance? Give us a bit of a context of your journey into this field. When I was studying at uni, I read a Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad and Poor Dad. So this book really opened my eyes to the finance and wealth and investing. And I... I can see, I could see the mistakes my parents made with their finances. My family is very much a legal family and everyone is dealing with law except me. And uh, when I look at my parents' finance, they kept equaling liabilities they thought were assets and struggled between you know, it's, uh, earning and uh, spending trade meal. So I told myself, I would like to control my own finance and uh, control my own life by learning how to invest. Yeah, I love that. And uh, isn't it interesting that uh, sometimes what we see and observe as a child um, can often influence the career choices that we made. And I'm sure as we heard you share about the um, the treadmill of finances, money in, money out, liabilities, many of us can relate to that too. What were some of the key insights that you took as the learning 
And obviously, as you said, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Kawasaki was certainly an influential reading and book that led you kind of down that path. What are some of the key insights that you learned and now try and impart to your clients as far as how to manage their finances and their investments so that they don't get on that treadmill of not getting far quickly? Share some of those insights. I think the Biggest obstacles in the way to successful successful finance is uh, is a delay. So my advice for people is start early and save and invest enough money. So people come to see financial advisor. Some of them have uh, high expectations. They are expecting to get get rich quick tips or we play some magic, but there is no easy and fast way. The start early and save and invest enough money. That is yeah. important here. Let's talk about that because when you say start early and start as quickly yeah. as you can, obviously the earlier that you start, the better. And this is even in your teenage years. And as teenagers or even when you're still in your, you know, your, your 20s, in your 30s, you kind of think you're invincible and you've got years ahead of you. Talk a little bit about maybe some of the comparisons because I think figures and, and at least seeing what's possible the earlier you start, and it doesn't need to be massive amounts of money. It can be small amounts, but little incremental amounts consistently that compounds and really adds overall. So share a little bit about that because we want to inspire some of these young. And by the way, if you're not so young and you're only hearing this, you think, well, have I missed the boat? I think, Helen, you would agree. It's never too late to start doing something to work towards your well, uh, your wealth and and. Uh, finance yes yes yeah, so you're right so if you want to arrive your finance destination early you'd better start early so you can get the benefits from compound interest in from early investments and good finance habits i think for the young people forming good finance habits is really important if you put aside for example 500 dollars every month if it's compounding 20 or 30 years, it's going to be a huge amount. That's going to be more than 2 million. Yeah. Wow. wow. And so if, what if someone says to you, well, Helen, I don't have, I think $500 you're saying a month. Yeah. I mean, even if you have a smaller amount, it is still building, but it's creating the habit, isn't it? Because you may not have 500 now, you may only have 250. But down the track, because you've created that habit of uh, investing religiously, you've created that good habit, as your finances increase, you can continue to put away larger amounts. But it has to start somewhere, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So if you wait for have a, having a extra money to start or waiting for perfect timing to start your finance planning, you will never, let, let they will never come along. So what I suggest to my clients normally, once your paycheck hit your transaction accounts, you can do automatic transfer to three different kinds of accounts. One is emergency funds and investment account or retirement saving accounts. In Australia, retirement saving account is mainly supernation. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. So you save and invest first and spend what is left. 
Yes. And I love the way that you've said it does. It, it It's taken into account the money that you've just gotten from your, your check, your paycheck, and yeah. you immediately start to separate those off into the different accounts because you have to start that intention, don't you? If you say, well, I'll wait till I do this and then I'll do that, we'll yeah. never get to that. It's like, well, I'll, when I find time, then I will exercise. No, no, yeah. you <laughs> straight away and let me share let me ask you this because often when we first start and we want to create um, some of those good financial habits and I'm going to ask you to share maybe some more financial habits we can adopt but it's one of those things as we start to do that slowly every month and then months turns into maybe years every time we start to see that investment account or maybe even that emergency, or maybe you've got a, an account where you put away for the fun account. This is where I can go and I can spend out of. As it increases, it prompts us to continue yeah. putting money aside into it, doesn't it? Yeah, so you can start from small, 5 or 10% of your income, and you can increase slowly. I don't recommend people commit too much from the very beginning. And they can start, yeah, if they only have $500 per month, they can just start from $1 or $200 per month. Yeah, that's great yeah. because then when you start to see that um, adding up, it becomes exciting. It almost becomes like this competition. How much can I put towards it uh, now? And it becomes a habit. And I love yeah. that you've spoken about good financial habits. What are some other habits that we can start doing to support us in growing our wealth? I think uh, investing your finance education. If your financial situation doesn't turn out exactly you want, that's something you don't know. So, you, and even, even for the financial experts, you will never know everything because the world is changing every day. Yeah. So investing in your financial education and don't hesitate to seek advice. Yes. You know, there's something, I mean, I love that you've mentioned that education is so important. As I'm sure everyone's heard that saying, knowledge is power because it's enabling yes, you empowering you to make the right decisions. I know, and I've, I've kind of been in that situation before myself where I think, well, I don't want Helen to think that I'm stupid that I don't know something, but in actual fact, and I love the saying, the only stupid question is the question that's not asked. So do you think as, and, and I know I'm generalising a little bit, but I wanted to, to create, if you will, an atmosphere where we're not embarrassed to come forward to, and to say, Helen, this is confusing me. Can you spend a little bit of time and help educate me on certain things? There's no such thing as a silly question, is there, when it comes to finances and finding out what's possible? Not at all. So everyone got uh, different expertise. So I'm seeing lots of professionals and doctors and engineers and also business owners. Some of them, they have a solid knowledge about finance, but some of them, they have no idea about how to raise their money. That's why they need our advice and help. And yeah. there's no, yeah, there's no stupid question at all. Yeah, something else that um, I once heard, and, and when it comes to money, there's practical tips, there's wonderful advice that you've shared, 
And one of the things that can often happen is we may earn, um, as you said, some good money, but our spending habits or something happens that causes us to, at the end of each month, not have money to put aside. And what often will then happen is we feel ashamed. There's something about money that people feel a bit awkward in, in talking about, and there sometimes can be that shame around there too. However, I want you to speak a little bit into that because you know, from not addressing that and not asking and saying maybe, Helen, I don't know, where's all my money going from? You know, I, I have a, a you know, multi-six-figure salary each year and we're still struggling from month to month. Help. What are some of the things that you would typically do if that was a scenario? Okay, so people make more money and then they spend more. We call it as a lifestyle inflation. So when I advise my clients, you, we, I always uh, recommend them think both current and the future. So if they got $1,000 every month for surplus, they can spend $1,000 on lifestyle or they can save some of them for the future. So if they spend all of them today and uh, there's no savings for the future, they are not going to enjoy the future, but they spend if they save every single dollar and don't enjoy today they're going to end up lots of regrets and unfulfillment so they need to balance out so there's a fine line between saving and living yes so true. I mean, how many people save, 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 save and say, this is for a rainy day and there is no balance. As you said, balance is important. Save and at the same time, um, enjoy some of that, um, the fruits of, of your labour, so so to speak. And it's interesting because when you talk to people about the word balance, balance can be different for everybody depending on what stage of life that they're in. For some people, they may have young children, and as we know, young children can be quite expensive with all the activities and so forth. So speak a little bit about just some of the, maybe some of the clients that you've worked with, how can they find what balance means for them? Because this can be an incredible change of uh, approach, if you will, and because they're clear on, well, let's look at our expenses. We can see that there are some things that maybe we don't need to to spend because this is lifestyle inflation. You know, maybe we're inflating our lifestyle a little bit. That money can go into a savings account for, for the future. Talk a little bit about that balance and how we can approach that by setting up some good financial habits. Okay, that is a really good question. Balance, okay. So when my clients came to see me, I always ask questions. What is important about money to you? The answer to this question is their core value. And I also ask about their vision. So the vision, their vision is where they want to go and how they want to live their life. So once I understand their core value and visions, then I can help them set up smarter financial goals for them to work towards their core value and visions. So once they know what is important, what is really important things in their life, then they can make the balance and do some sacrifice and compromise. Yeah. 
That's great. That's great. And you know what's interesting when you're talking about core values and core vision and establishing core financial goals, having someone to support you in clarifying that, because often we're not sure about what that is for ourselves. And then if you've got a partner, a spouse, who may have a different idea on core values when it comes to money and saving and balance, you have to navigate through that as well, don't you? Yes, yes. So I got a couple. The husband is very much a saver and the wife is a spender. So every time she spends money, the husband feels it's going to impact his uh, security. But for her, it's a kind of pleasure to find the things that, know she would like to buy so they need to have that kind of common ground why they need to save and invest for their future what they want from their life at retirement and in the future mm-hmm. so then they can they can find a common ground and work towards together not just uh, one party work hard and the other one just keep spending yeah it's not going to work here No, it's not. And I'd imagine that it can end up in conflict, can't it? It's interesting. Just I'm sure being able to share more around, you know, because for her, maybe the thing that she observed as a young child was that she, she might feel loved when she's able to buy things for herself. She might feel valued. She might feel worthy. And when that's expressed to her husband, um, then at least there's a bit more awareness for him as to why she's doing that. And I share that because sometimes when we spend a little bit more time in talking about, well, what's driving that decision? Why do you feel that you need to, you know, do this? I mean, my husband is a saver too, and he will drive miles or kilometres here in Australia to get a to get a discount, to get a price increase. Me, not so much, but he loves that. It's the thrill of that. And I know that that's something he enjoys. So I could either you know, make a joke of it or and say, you know, that's that's him. An awareness in our different wallet relationship with money can can really make a huge impact on how we can find a solution to move forward. Fascinating conversation and, and topic. Have you found that too when you're dealing with husband and wives or maybe even people in the business world that might be partners in a business that their different styles of handling handling money can either be done strategically when they are aware of of each other's um, relationship with money, if you will, or causing more conflict because there is a misunderstanding. Okay, so there's a difference between people to people. So we I call it as a money personality. So there are different way to spend money. Some people want to save, some people just want to spend. Some people avoid talking about money. Some people just want to invest every single dollar they make. So it is set in your childhood. So because uh, the concept of money is not uh, it's not taught at school, it's at home, yeah. So we are very much uh, following our parents' uh, pattern towards the money. So if our parents are spender, you know, it's 80% of, of people can be spender. If our parents is really good at whether investing and saving, they are more 
than like uh, their parents. So it's formed in your childhood that if you don't really understand and fix them, that's going to impact rest of your life. Yes. Yes. Isn't it interesting that uh, you mentioned, uh, Helen, that you observed a certain behaviour when it comes to money with your parents, yet for you, it empowered your decision to move forward in a specific way, get more educated. and Because sometimes you can observe and um, through what you've observed, it can send you in the right direction, if you will, because you got educated and now you're in that field. Yet for some of us, it can trigger um, the opposite. Like if your parents were, were a lot of spenders, and I've heard this happen before, and there was not enough money at the end of the month or whatever it was, the children grow up thinking, I'll never be in that situation. And then they're savers. And as you say, they, they may save everything and not really enjoy you know, the, the fruits of their, their labour right now, again, there needs to be that balance. Would you say that sometimes people need to get, well, to a, deg- to a degree or to an area in their life where they say we need to do something different because we are stuck? And I'm, I'm asking the question, what do you think prevents people from going to see a financial advisor? Is because they don't know that there is an issue? Are they too embarrassed and ashamed that there is an issue or they're just hoping that it'll sort itself out by not speaking about it and hopefully one day, whoosh, they'll wake up and there's all this money in their account or a bit of both or or more of those? Why do you think people are hesitant to see financial advisor? Okay, there are many reasons. I think a main reason can be people don't really know what financial advisor actually does. The fear of unknown, and they also don't know the impact and uh, scope of this service. That's the main reason. When they come, when they want to see the finance advisor, they feel a kind of uh, fear, fear of uh, not having enough, not uh, knowing enough, or being told their dreams are just unachievable. And some people also hesitate to see finance advisor because they are afraid of uh, seeking advice or guidance from wrong person. Yeah. And some of them even don't really want to see financial advisor because they are afraid of being told they need to change and sacrifice or even give up what they are enjoying now. Yeah. Or a financial advisor talks about you need to start a budget and that word makes them want to run for the hills kind of thing. Yeah. So let's just share as we um, get to the end, nearing the end of uh, of the interview here, and I've loved the conversation and I know we've just scratched the surface, but at least given people an understanding of um, that you know, you need to take control. You need to make a decision, set an intention for anything to be different when it comes to your finances and your wealth and putting away money for a nest egg in, in your retirement. You have to start as soon as, as you can. What are some questions or things that people can look out for, Helen, when they're searching for a financial advisor to support them? What advice do you have for for them to find the right financial advisor for them? Everyone is different and they are seeking 
they have a different needs. So they find they need to find the advisor who they can have that click and understand them. So I think knowing your clients is really important for the finance advisors. So people trust their advisor not because they fully understand what they do, but they know their finance advisor understands them. So when people come to see us, they their financial problems and uh, financial goals are easy to talk, but they also have uh, unspoken needs like uh, fears and aspirations. And our job is understand both the expressed needs and suppressed needs and present a course of action that inspires our clients. Yeah. And I love the way that you said earlier that when you are working with a potential client or a, a, a client, you know, what's important to you and for you to help them understand is what are your core values? What is the core vision that you have for your life, you know, and for your goal? And let's help you establish some smart financial goals to create those positive financial habits that will enable you to achieve those goals. It's like when you are an athlete, uh, you're not going to, and uh, earlier today I interviewed Dr. De Sasha Fulton uh, who worked with Olympic athletes. You don't just wake up, do a few exercises and off to the Olympics you go. You have a coach, you have an advisor, lots of them to support you in building and developing just like you were saying, you need a financial advisor on your team to be able to help you identify what your goals are, put into place some you know, habits to help you achieve that and then touch base along the way to see how you're going. You know, what are some of the things that we can perhaps help you with? Helen, how can people find out more about you, the services that you offer? How's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, they can reach out on my website or they can, uh, my website is very much my book website. So yourbestlife.thebook.com.au. And also they can reach out through the email or contact details. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it was wonderful to speak to you today. Thank you for sharing a bit more about your story, about why you're passionate about helping others to reach there and achieve their wealth and their financial goals. Uh, I know we've uh, just scratched the surface, but certainly given people some real solid insight into why it's so important and uh, that there certainly is the right support out there. You just need to find um, the right financial advisor. And maybe those of you who are listening or watching the recording uh, really have connected with Helen and thought, you know, Helen is certainly someone that um, I'd love to find out more about how we might be able to work together. So please reach out to Helen. She's also on, uh, I'm sure, LinkedIn and, and across some of those social platforms too. So thanks once again, Helen, for sharing your knowledge and expertise on the show today. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's a, it, it's my pleasure to make uh, this conversation with you. <laughs> Helen, all the best. Bye for now. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? 
Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.